Well, it's great to be here today, longtime friend and teacher, servant, hopefully, here at Tyndale, so uh, thanks for inviting me. Worship team, excellent, excellent, excellent worship. I enjoy worshiping together with you for sure. Uh, we are looking at a series called uh, The Spiritual Disciplines, and I believe we've already looked at one here at, in the community on worship, which is dear to my heart. And today we're looking at uh, spiritual reading. So I'm hoping that we can, in a sense, do this together. Uh, as I chat, I'm going to have some readings, and I'm going to invite you to participate as you're, as you're able. Uh, and to allow these words, both from documents and from Scripture, to uh, speak to our hearts. But I begin with a quote from Karl Barth, which I like, is evangelical theology. Christian faith occurs in the encounter of the believer with him and whom he believes. It consists in communion, not in identification with him. Faith is a history New every morning. Three words there. It's an encounter. We are invited to be in communion. And finally, faith is a history new every morning. So here we are in Tyndale this day, and we're invited to come to Jesus, experience him new each day. And that's the challenge. No matter what denomination we're in, no matter where we're at, to feed on Jesus every day. So I believe that's your wish as well, but we face some challenges in doing that. We want to feed on Christ. Ronald Rollheiser writes in his lovely book, A Holy Longing, uh, three challenges that we face. This is all by way of introduction before we get to spiritual reading. One of them being narcissism, which he calls excessive self-preoccupation. So we all struggle with this. We can think a whole lot about ourselves. How am I doing? How am I feeling? And this can become a challenge in our growth with Jesus because we're looking at me, ourselves, and not looking at him. We also see pragmatism, he calls it. Excessive focus on work or achievement. So here at Tyndale, you know, as students, you want to do well, you want to get good grades, but we can fall very quickly into comparison and competition, and that can get in the way of our walk with Jesus as well. And then thirdly, we see restlessness, an excessive greed for experience. So if you think of those three, narcissism, pragmatism, restlessness, how does that fit in your own journey? How do they maybe get in the way when we come to walking with Christ? Is that so or is it not? And then one final note from John Walcrave, our present age constitutes a virtual conspiracy against the interior life. Wow, when I first read that, I was blown away by that. A virtual conspiracy against the interior life. Our virtual world. All the good stuff that can come from the virtual world. But at the same time, a real challenge at times in terms of distraction, where we're going, what we're looking at. We can just go on Netflix and enjoy so many, many good shows that can become our whole existence. But we're called to feed on Jesus. 
So as we begin then, we need to look to Him to shape our hearts and our minds in Christ. So what are we putting in our mind? Now I used to walk, talk about putting a garbage can on your head and we walk around and we just put all the crap, all the crap goes in the garbage can and that starts shaping who we are. Paul very much goes at the importance of our mind. So we see here in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Colossians, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And finally, one from Ephesians, you were taught to put away your former life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is concerned about our minds. Greek word there is nous, our thinking, our intelligence, our intellect, indeed our whole state of being. Paul is saying that needs to be transformed. The renewing of our minds. But it doesn't end there. It's invited to sink down, sink down into our hearts. So our worship is, our worship is primarily, I think, going at our hearts, our experience with God, our relationship with God, to know him, to be attentive to him in our lives. So it's both mind and heart. And so here at Tyndale, you've been doing this for years. We've been doing it. We try to work on our minds and we try to work on our hearts. So it's not just an intellectual thing. It comes down and sinks into our hearts. And so at that point then, we can come to spiritual reading. We could back up for a moment for study. Richard Foster talks about study as being a discipline in his book, Celebration of Discipline. So all of our study, that can be a way of feeding on Jesus. But if we step back a little bit, then we're invited to look at spiritual reading. So a few words on this. So we normally desire to master a text, to extract information. That's study. It's a good thing. We want to do that. So we work at understanding the scriptures, the text, so we can grow wise in this. But in spiritual reading, we want the text to master us. There's a big difference. First, we want to master the text. Here we want the text to master us, to form us, to shape us. So we slow down, we read slowly, we read reflectively, and we allow time for the Spirit of God to work in our lives, and we pray. Pray over the passage. Pray over the words. In writers in spiritual formation, they'll talk about prayer, but they'll talk about a specific kind of prayer, a quiet prayer, a silent prayer, a listening prayer, a centered prayer, where you read and then you sit. Stop all the verbiage. Slow it down and receive. Just be quiet. Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist says, to receive, 
to hear God's voice, that's part of this discipline of spiritual reading. So some of you folks engage in spiritual reading already? Let me see your hands. Do you do this? Sure, lots of us do it. How do we hear? How do we receive? How do we sit with the text? So we approach the text as a seeker. Sometimes, you know, I've been in class and I'll speak about this and then people will say to me, I don't know about that one. I don't know if I can treat the text as a seeker because I have to be on guard of what it might say. And I would suggest at this point we can trust and depend on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Just receive from the text what it has for us to treat it as a seeker. So, three questions we can look at when we come to a text. One, how is the text true? You can ask yourself that. How is this text true of my own life? How might it correct me in some way? Second way is, second question, how does it challenge me? Any new way it challenges me? And then thirdly, maybe there's a way that I want to change. So three questions we can ask. You don't have to do this, obviously. But these are three questions we can consider in terms of our journey. How is this text true? How does it challenge me? Is there anything there I need to change in my life? Repent in my life as I hear these words. So keeping that in mind, let's look at a few Examples, And here's one from Thomas Kelly called The Testament of Devotion. Very fine book. Hopefully you can read that. He writes, life from the center is a life of unhurried peace and power. It is simple. It is serene. It is amazing. It is triumphant. It is radiant. It takes no time but occupies all our time. And it makes our life programs new and overcoming. We need not get frantic. God is at the helm. And when our little day is done, we lie down quietly in peace, for all is well. I read that first line. It jumped out at me. Life from the center is a life of unhurried peace and power. Harold Lundquist, who was the president for many years at Bethel College and Seminary, He talked about these types of documents as documents in the family, family documents. Writers from the Christian tradition of every century, they gathered together family documents that can speak to our soul. So here's one by Thomas Kelly. So you read that. You think about it. Well, does that say something true to me in my hurried existence? Does it challenge me in any way? Maybe there's something I need to change, spiritual reading. Another example from Pascal, we do not grow bored with eating and sleeping every day, for we soon feel hungry or sleepy again. Otherwise, we should grow bored with it. And he makes the point. Likewise, if we do not hunger for spiritual things, we find them boring. Hunger after righteousness. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of place where you're getting kind of bored with the whole thing. Part of it is because we don't hunger. 
such a sad time in my own church experience when people who have been in the church for many, many years decide after a while they don't want to do it, they don't believe, they're giving up on the whole thing. Sad. And I think part of it is this, that we don't, we're not hungering. And I get bored with it. So we're invited to hunger, not just at an intellectual level, but at a heart level. One more, and now one from the Genesee to Diary. I will never be happy unless I am totally, unconditionally committed to him. To be single-minded, to will one thing, Kierkegaard's phrase. That is my goal and desire. And also I can let go of the many pains and confusions that are the result of a divided mind. By allowing the Lord to be in the center, life becomes simpler, more unified, and more focused. Let go of the many pains and confusions that are a result of a divided mind. 